listening to the Advancing Women in Sport podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Michelle Redfern. I'm so thrilled to bring you season two, and I've called it The Boys Club, stories of people who are smashing the patriarchy in sport. In season two, I'm lifting my eyes and lifting my focus to the whole system of sport. I know from the work that I do with clients in both the business and sport areas, it's important to fix systems and remove barriers that prevent women from all walks of life, from all ages and stages in all sports on and off the field. I know it's important to remove barriers for those women to be successful. So my guests on season two are diverse. They are people of different genders, they're in different geographies and of course different parts of the sporting sector. What season two guests all have in common is that they are agitating, advocating and activating for gender equality in sport. I hope you enjoy the episode. The Advancing Women in Sport podcast is created on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I pay my respects to Elders past and present. I also celebrate the massive contribution that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island peoples have made to sport, and I acknowledge their contribution across the world. Welcome back, everyone, to the Advancing Women in Sport podcast amazing season two, talking to people who are really challenging the boys club um, and smashing the patriarchy in sport. And today I'm thrilled to be talking to, well, the president of Women's Sport Australia, Jen Dorman. And Jen's, well, I'm going to let Jen introduce herself because she's been in and around sport on, on all sides of the sporting equation. Well, probably since you're a very tiny little person, Jen, but um Jen, welcome. Great to have you here. And so tell tell our listeners, who are you? Uh, what do you do? Tell us a bit about yourself. Thank you, Michelle, and thank you for having me today. I think, yeah, I have really been in and around sports since I was quite young. I grew up with a sports-mad mum and dad. They actually had a pre-birth AFL supporting agreement around who supported which footy team. So girls go for Hawthorne Football Club, boys go for Richmond Football Club. So I obviously was with my mum. I was a big Hawks supporter and that shaped a lot of my younger life, going to Waverley Park and enjoying the football. And um, I also played, I played netball as most young girls did and did a bit of dancing. So that was, I've always been sort of sporty and athletic in that sort of sense. And I think for me, a big catalyst was I did my year 10 work experience at Hawthorne Football Club because I was such a big Hawks fan and um, experienced working in the communications department there, which was extremely formative. I, I loved it and it shaped me to study communications at my university degree at RMIT University. And from there, I was just determined to get a job working in sport. So um, it didn't come straight off the bat for me. I didn't walk into a, a job. I had to build up my experience and get quite a bit of interning and voluntary work under my belt um, before landing my first full-time job, um, I think about 18 months after I finished studying, I reckon. And that was with Netball Australia as a digital communications manager. So just all the newfangled Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at the time, which was um, really in my digital communications wheelhouse of of tools. And from there, I, I really enjoyed my time with Netball Australia for almost two years. Then I've um, sort of jumped around into a few different sports, um, 
took on a social media strategist role with racing.com, so a, a, a t- digital team within Racing Victoria. Then from there, I did a year as marketing and communications um, associate for the Melbourne Rebels Rugby Union Football or Rugby Union Club. And after that, I was looking to sort of push into a bit more of a management role and started with Gymnastics Victoria. So I was marketing and communications manager, started there in November of 2017. And Five years later, I was really able to grow my skill set and was sitting as the general manager of marketing and industry development. And I, I really loved that that career progression that I was able to do at gymnastics. And I then landed my role that I am currently in as CEO of Table Tennis Victoria. So decided it was time for me to take the mantle and um, lead the way as a CEO and that is where I have ended up. But as you mentioned, I also have been involved with Women's Sport Australia. So through my time at Gymnastics Victoria, I was encouraged to do a Women's Sport Australia mentoring program. So came along as a participant to that program, um, undertook the facilitated session by Carol Braun and Margot Foster was also um, part of the session and really interesting session, really loved it, was quite sort of vocal about just sort of speaking up about my experiences and from that initial mentoring session, I, I became in touch with um, Carol Fox and she said, you know, Jen, there's actually a vacancy on our board at the moment and I think someone like you would be excellent to fill that role. And honestly, the first thing I thought was me, like, don't, don't older people go on boards? Don't, isn't that, I, I thought maybe I'd go on a board in maybe 20 years, not as a 28-year-old, but um, I was like, well, why not? Sounds like a great experience and that there's plenty that I'd be able to do. So, stepped onto that board and, yeah, just got thrown in the deep end of what it's like to be on a, on a board and we are a voluntary board, so everyone pitches in and works. And um, from that experience, I then was able to take the mantle of deputy chair in sort of 2019, 2020. And um, when Carol retired from the board, I stepped into the role of president. So that was in 2020 um, at the AGM in October. And yeah, now I'm, I'm still sitting here as um, WSA president and it's been a great journey and I, I really love and treasure that position that I'm able to hold right now. What a, uh, what a great career so far and uh, a couple of things I want to call out. Number one, the value of sponsors. I do bang on a lot about the uh, the value of investing time in building your strategic networks um, and of strategic mentoring that leads to sponsorship. And, and I certainly know that Carol, the Carol Fox is the who you refer to, is, is very good at spotting talent uh, and sponsoring that talent in, into the right roles for the right time. But I think the other thing I want to pick up on is the in, in my other podcast, for the leadership podcast I do lead to, so I've just recently interviewed Helia Svensson, who is a board and governance expert, and we talked about when are you ready to go on a board? And she said, don't wait for 20 years. I don't wait until your career's, you know, that first part of your career is over. Do it now. So what a great example of, of doing that. And now you've ascended to the presidency. Let's talk a little bit about... Um, 
Women's Sport Australia because it's an advocacy group and, uh, and, and really fits in, you know, we, we spend a bit of time together from time to time um, and, you know, we've got a lot of mutual contacts. So tell us about, I guess, the mandate for Women's Sport Australia, Jen. Yeah, well, I think it has been a really interesting time. In, in my five years on the Women's Sport Australia board, I would say that I think we've had to sort of shift exactly where we sat in the market and, and where our focus is. So, um, Women's Sport Australia sort of prior to me joining the board had just gone through quite a big transformation from being the organisation AURA, A-W-R-A, Australian Women's Sport and Recreation Association, to actually take the rebrand of Women's Sport Australia, WSA. So, um, Carol, the former president, as we've said, had, was leading that um, rebrand and just getting the governance of the organisation right so that we were getting the right people, the right skills mix, the right gender balance. We had the opposite of most boards' problems, that we were a board full of women and we wanted to bring on men. So um, we sort of went through that challenge. But I think really when I joined the board, it was sort of we, we were very active on sort of social media and your director responsibility was to to operate the social media channels one day of the week and make sure that you were posting all the latest information about women's sport and really just thinking about how we could sort of communicate around women's sport but not really producing too much ourselves. So that was an interesting place to be in and I think we we all sort of sat through our strategy days and were like, well, what do we want to stand for here? Like, if we really want to make a difference, what is the role that we're playing? And I think um, we saw the rise of um, state governments having their own specific focuses around women in sport. So the Office for Women in Sport in Victoria, the Office of Sport in New South Wales. So we knew that this was becoming quite an active space for people to really look at. So we really had to sort of look internally and say, well, what what is it that we're going to do? What is it that we're going to stand for? And what what is our value proposition as Women's Sport Australia? And I think it's really become about us being that independent peak body that can bring people together and that's a real role that I've wanted to embrace as as president and get the rest of the board to really think about it as we can really take on a leadership role to bring different voices together and share information because I think I think when I first started the on the board, it was sort of like, oh, well, what do you think of the Office for Women in Sport? Like, aren't they doing the same thing that you're doing? And I was like, yeah, and it's great. We love them. As many people as we can get on board to champion um, equity for women and girls in sport, uh, ideally we don't have to exist anymore to do what we need to do. But at this stage, the more voices that we've got around the table, the greater the change is going to be. So, for us as a board, it was sort of like we need to have um, tangible things that we're doing to focus in different areas and that was really the development of the Women in Sport Photo Action Awards competition. So changing the perception of women playing sport, it's not just an airbrushed athlete standing next to a cricket bat and um, it's actually seeing them out on the pitch having a hit, their, their face is all over the place. It's about their strength and athleticism, not about the, the model kind of 
um, perfect shot. So that has been something that was championed by our life member board director, Louise Evans, and that is something that we've carried on the legacy of that competition because it is just so important that we're highlighting these strong athletic photos of women playing sport. And similar to that, it's just sort of at, at the amplification of our mentoring program. How can we make that more accessible to women in sport? There are lots and lots of different trainings available for senior executives in sport, but we were really wanting to focus on those coordinators, officers, new managers, which was just like me when I was in Gymnastics Victoria starting as a manager, to to get them up to those next levels. So I think it was really about looking at the value of what we could provide and and how we could move that forwards. So it's been a really great journey. I think another thing that we did was we looked at our membership and we were sort of had a paid $50 membership, which we really couldn't articulate the value of well enough. So it was like, let's just get rid of it. Like, let's just have our, con- we're constitutionally bound to have members. So we've still got an honorary membership that people can become a member of WSA, but there's no cost attached to it. Instead, where can we make a greater impact? And let's have a gender equity in sport pledge. Let's just have something say, I, I believe in equal equity for women and girls within sport and that they should have the same opportunities as men and boys. And let's just get people signing up to that and showing that they support the cause. So it's been a real sort of shift in the way that we do things, but I think there's great momentum and it's just being clear on the role that we can play of bringing people together and just being part of that conversation. And as someone who has observed that evolution, because I, I met the how I became involved with Women's Sport Australia was through the, the former president, Carol Fox, who is a, a terrific advocate for, for women uh, and sport more generally. And and Carol and I happened to bump into each other at a, a, a non-sport uh, a networking event. She spotted sport in my business name and went, hello, I need to talk to you. And, you know, that the rest is kind of history. Um, given our, our global audience, I'll, I'll probably go into that later. But three things I want to pull out of what you've just said. Um, so, sorry, let me go back. So I've seen that evolution and and I've been really pleased to see the positioning becoming stronger and stronger and stronger for Women's Sport Australia because, you know, without, you know, I, I was unclear at the start what the organisation stood for or what it was, what its purpose was or what that mandate was that I asked you. The first thing I want to pick up on, Jen, is the role that you play to reduce fragmentation my own experience and the reason I do this podcast and the reason I started doing research into, you know, closing the leadership gender gap in sport was because I looked around going, wow, there's just a lack of information. Oh, in fact, no, there's not a lack of information. There's bucket loads of information, but it's fragmented. It's hard. So I've invested time and money and effort over the last five or six years to start pulling together insights for sports administrators to take action. So when I when you said, you know, our job is to bring people together, is to bring people and ideas and to amplify the importance of of women in sport. How are you, you know, what outcomes are you seeing as a result of trying to reduce that fragmentation because fragmentation is the enemy of of change, isn't it? So what what are you what are you seeing and I guess what are 
some of the initiatives, and I want to talk about Whisper separately, but what are some of the things that that you are seeing um, the group deliver to reduce that fragmentation and progress change, positive change? Yeah, I think it's it's a key role and it, it is so important that we're, we're bringing people together, I think, just to share ideas and information. I feel quite quite lucky that here in Victoria we do really lead the way with the Office for Women in Sport who were established in sort of 2017, and they do such great work, but it only goes to a Victorian audience, and there's no reason that so much of the ideology that's behind what they're doing or the policies or the planning that goes into this can't be shared with other states and other groups in different states to just help bring them up the curb. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. We don't need to just come up with our own sort of special strategies because we're in a different state. If the work's being done, then we're silly if we're not picking it up and sort of sharing it with other counterparts because really we're all going to work together to bring each other up and make it better and make the conditions for women and girls in sport better. Oh, I, I totally, totally agree. And, and listeners, this is there's a bit of serendipity going on here because I happened, uh, th- well, through a good fortune or good planning. I'll, I'll go with the good planning. But uh, last night I attended one of the Women's Sport Australia roundtables for executives and and others, advocates, and I saw the living, breathing evidence of a group of us who were all from all over Australia doing all sorts of different jobs, but I saw the collaboration and the sharing of key information coming out of that session, including that great work that we have seen out of the Office of Women's Sport and Recreation start to take root in in other areas. And of course, we had people from Sport and Rec Tasmania on the call. So that that great work, as you said, you put it perfectly. Let's not reinvent the wheel. Let's share information. And for me, that's the collaboration piece because, you know, there's so much great work that's being done, but it is fragmented because it's on a state by state or even, you know, some of my clients are in the US and I was in the US last month talking to them about this great work that, that Victoria does. And they're going, wow, how do we get hold of that? And I said, easy, I'll send you the reports. But that's, I, I really appreciate that that is, you know, that I saw it in, in action last night. What else? I think it is, it, it does really come back to just looking at ways, the role that we can play in that for, for the smaller sports, me now sitting as a CEO of Table Tennis Victoria, we've got three full-time employees. Like that's all we've got. We don't have someone that can specifically target and focus in on on, on the female sort of participation piece, but we would love to pick up one of the larger sports in the way that they have been able to set a policy and use that as a template but it's hard to have that that sharing sort of coming through. So I think it is what a way that once again, not only are we linking in different groups across sport, but we're also linking in other sports that just don't have the resources of the bigger sports. So I, I really think we've had a lot of sort of discussion about like let let's pioneer the round table sort of and get people in the room discussing and just see if there is that 
that appetite for collaboration, which we really want to foster, but it's got to be there from all the participants as well. And it's it's then looking at like, how can we take that to the next level? Is there some sort of accountability check or something like that, that we can start to work with sports that this you've got this policy and you've got this many, you've got this mandate around sort of not only your state or um, national board having women on it, but also how about the committees within your clubs? What are you doing to, to foster those kind of things? So I really think there's so much ability for us to just play a leading role in bringing people together, sharing ideas, sharing concepts, and just really, really celebrating the wins, really looking at ways that we can tangibly help people that just don't have the, the resources to be able to to do this on a, on a grander scale. And I think that's that hits the nail on the head for me. So in terms of, you know, for, for the sports folk, you know, the listeners listening, um, you know, what's the call to action here? The call to action is how, how might you not reinvent the wheel? Um, because you might be thinking, gee whiz, I really need to do something around whether it's participation from an, an athlete perspective, whether it's more, you know, greater representation of women on committees, in the, on the board, in executive roles, whatever it may be. But if you're thinking, gee whiz, I've got scarce resources, which let's face it, sport is, is one of those organ, one of those sectors that has to do a lot on the smell of an oily rag. How might you tap into People who have already invented the wheel and and peak bodies like Women's Sport Australia are going to play that role for you as an aggregator of information. So I guess that's, you know, my first call to action is a very blunt one. Join Women's Sport Australia and tap into these resources because you are playing that role of uh, that leadership role across the um, uh, across Australia of aggregating people, processes and information so that we can leapfrog ahead of some of that, you know, the, the forming and storming mode. So I think it's a it's a really big call to action. You know, don't feel like you have to start from scratch. There are people and organisations that are already, you know, uh, along the maturity curve. Let's learn from them, take the lessons and implement them straight away. So it's, it's a, a terrific role. And a really important one because I think as, as it evolves, and I, and I acknowledge, Jen, that it's in a, you know, test and learn phase. It's, it's a, you know, the... the the, the round tables and, and other things are, are relatively new in terms of the whole history of Women's Sport Australia. But I can see great opportunities for, you know, uh, as I said, that aggregator of information, whether it's frameworks or documents or or just sheer expertise, you know, that, that collaboration of people who are expert who can help you get ahead of the curve in terms of really making sure that women and girls um, have equal opportunity in sport. It's terrific. I want to jump now to Whisper, so the 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 awards, the photographic awards, and I, I want to be really blunt here that what I love about it is that there is we're displaying athletes, women athletes in their in their glory, and they're not sexualized images. They're not airbrushed. They're not. They are showing. It is showing strong, capable women athletes doing what they do best, um, and. Yeah, so tell us tell us about those awards and and the outcomes that have been created from those awards. Yeah, thank you. I think it's it. I, I'm so proud of these awards, and each year I I see more and more photographs rolling in, and they just get better and better every year. It, it's 
it's incredible. It, it's been so well received through just I think everyone as females, we understand we wanna we wanna be treated like the boys. We wanna be shown in our strongest sort of positions possible for our aptitude on the field or on the court or whatever in whatever environment we're playing in. And it it really has been incredibly well received from photographers who feel like they're finally getting their chance to to show off their craft and they can submit up to three images so that they can show a breadth of different sports that they take images for and um yeah and just the way that we're able to highlight these female athletes and they're just incredible and it's not just the footy, the cricket, the soccer, the netball kind of shots. We're getting dragon boat racing. We're getting boxing. We're getting, oh, like some incredible sort of life-saving images of the the boats going through the waves and it, it is just mind-blowing to see how many different sports there are and the quality of these incredible images that you can get. So I think it really has played a pivotal role in just shifting the way that we photograph, not the way that we photograph, but the way the media portray women in sport and just showing that there are these quality shots available of of female athletes, you just, you're going to get crucified in the media if you put an airbrushed headshot of an athlete in with an article about them playing sport and it's not actually having them out there on the field. So it's it's received great support. Um, for the last few years, we've had the Federal Minister for Sport as one of the judges and um, we hope that we'll be able to get Annika Wells as sort of just as supportive as um, previously Richard Colbeck has been for the awards. And I think it is just a, a great turning point around the way that we really perceive women in action playing sport. So for, so for listeners who don't know what Whisper is, um, tell us about the process and, the, and I guess the, the cadence. So it's a yearly awards process. Who enters? Yep. So entry is for anyone within the last 12 months who has taken images of women playing sports. So there's a professional category and an amateur category. So we accept images. Photographers can enter up to three images. And I know that sort of even some of my fellow people that work in sort of media and communications around sport have entered pictures in the amateur categories and things because it really anyone can enter if you've got some some images and there are certain restrictions just um, the athlete must be Australian because it's obviously a, an Australian sort of women's sport Australia focused competition it must be over 18 so there are sort of some of those guidelines and yeah, then those images sort of come into us. It's sort of like maybe a month-long um, submission sort of process. Then we have four judges generally that go through the images and um, sort of shortlist 15 finalists in the professional category, 15 finalists in the um, amateur category. And actually for this year, for the first time, we had an emerging category, which was um, photographers that were 21 and under. So... 
Um, we're always looking at ways that we can develop the competition and we want to just foster that next generation as well. So um, the images, they'll, we'll have five, 15 finalists that beca- that are released and then um, we have a winner and a runner-up image or a couple of runner-up images for each of the categories. And um, the first year we ran it in 2019, we announced the winners and then we had a, a sort of launch of a, of a physical touring exhibition of the, um, of the 30 images. So that was fantastic. And then in 2020 and 21, obviously. Jim, we were- I'm actually going to interrupt there, but because that, that launch and then the display of those images was in a number, it, for my hometown of Melbourne, it was in a number of places, but then there was one where it was actually one of my old workplaces in the NAB 500 Burke Street foyer for a while. And I, they must have thought, there's that bloody woman back again. Cause I'd just go in and wander around <laughs> it and just look again and again and again. It was just, it was so wonderful to see these enormous life-sized images of athlete, women athletes in action. It was just, it was so gratifying. So sorry to interrupt, but I wanted to say, you know, it, it was just, and it was just so different. It was so different. It was. And I think the momentum of the, the touring exhibition following up after the actual um, awards process itself, what really did just carry on the impact and um, local sort of sporting groups or um that we had these boards with images and they just went all around Australia to different sort of events so that um, people could use them and we were quite happy to sort of pass on the raw files of the finalist images to groups that were having digital displays and things. So it was really hitting its stride and we were so excited to run it again in 2020 and then COVID happened and we, we had a big decision discussion as a board. Do we run it again in 2020? Is, is the appetite right to be able to run the competition when everyone's just at home and all sports stopped because of, because of COVID? And I said, oh, I think there's something we need to do to motivate people. And I think, I think the timing is, is perfectly right to be able to have have the competition and really have an impact. So we did go ahead with the competition in 2020, which I'm really glad that we did. It was a really tough year for people in Australia being locked down, especially in Victoria where I live, where it was a pretty hefty second half of the year lockdown as well. So, but I think we weren't able to have that impact of the touring exhibition or anything like that. So, it, it did make it a little bit different. So instead, we decided to have a sort of webinar just with sort of some of the winners. Um, the, the photographers talked about the craft and the way that they were able to capture their shots. So it was, yeah, sort of looking at something different that we could do in a digital world of just being able to, to put forward um, the images so that they, they didn't lose their, their shine after actually being named as the award finalists. Once again, we ran in 2021. Once again, we were a little bit affected by COVID. And and I think we did see that entry numbers were down just because there wasn't as much sport being played in 2020 and 2021. So um, 
yeah, we were really, really happy that this year we were able to run again and we were able to do an in-person sort of event to bring people together. And we actually announced the finalists in person. And that was a fantastic event that we held down here in Melbourne. And I think we're definitely seeing a lot of excitement around the images and we've produced some different banners that we had at the national sports convention they'll be coming up at a few of our um, women's sport australia events later in the year so yes if, if anyone would like access to images of women playing sport women's sport australia can help you out we've made sure we've got that in our terms and conditions and yeah, there's some absolutely wonderful images. So they're all on the Women's Sport Australia website under the Whisper header. So please go and check them out. Oh, I think I might be hitting you up for some because I've got another report coming up shortly. But more on that later. I There's a couple of things that stand out for me about that. Number one, we're obviously what the Whisper Awards have done is to help change people's mindsets. So, so lay people, so folks who aren't yet in that active advocacy space about women and girls' participation, but they might be going, gee, I'd never thought about a, a woman boxing or a, how strong women are when they're rugby players or, you know, so I think imagery is so powerful. You know, it's a little bit, we talk about food, we eat with our eyes before we eat with our mouths. You know, we're kind of looking at women portrayed in a way that shows their strength. I think that's very, very powerful around changing mindsets and shifting some of the bias, which of course comes into decision-making about who gets funding, who gets the, you know, one of our topics at the moment, who gets access to the fields for training and things like that. So I think that's a, that's a really, really important part. And, and again, coming back to that, that advocacy role that, that Women's Sport Australia and groups like you across the world, that's, you know, the role that you perform. But the other part is tapping into the diversity of photographers. So there's photographers who are really, really committed to taking great shots of women in sport. Um, yeah, I always, uh, for Australian folks, particularly Australian rules folks, Michael Wilson is one of the most prolific um, quality photographers of, of our, my favourite game, um, but certainly has, has created some iconic images, the one of Taylor Harris notably. Um, but there are others beyond Michael. Greatest respect to Michael, and I know he's a Whisper Awards winner, but there are other people who are out there, both in the professional and the amateur category, who have an opportunity to have their work amplified. So have you seen, have you had feedback or seen anything with regard to the diversity of the photographers that are coming out of the Whisper Awards? Yeah, well, I think I've certainly started to pick up on sort of some of the names that of the the repeat offenders, I suppose, who um, have been named as finalists in the Wimp. Women in Sport Photo Action Awards, and it, it always makes me happy when I see their their name in the byline alongside a publication, and it's their image and things like that. We've definitely had some great feedback, especially from sort of the amateur kind of um, photographers who'd like to make it a more professionalised career for them. That just being able to say to people, "Oh, I was actually a finalist in the." the Whisper Awards has has made a big difference. It's opened doors for them, which is is something that I don't think we really thought about too much as Women's Sport Australia. But to get that feedback and to have this this additional benefit is just so lovely. And yeah, it's it's been 
so, so lovely to have such respect shown for the competition from different photographers and we'll get emails saying, are you doing it again next year? I've already got some images and things like that. So, yeah, we've got a great database of photographers now that we can sort of let them know when the competition is opening. And, yeah, I, I think it really has become something that, has even made photographers think, I really want to capture some more images of women's sports so that I can enter the awards. So, so there are more opportunities to actually have female sport photographed by some really cracking photographers. And, and the, the knock-on effect to that as well is really challenging mainstream media to consider photographers beyond their normal stable of, of photographers with the greatest respect to the Michael Wilsons and and others like him there are there's so much talent out there that we that you've given the opportunity to be amplified so mainstream media you, you're again you're challenging mindsets you're challenging um, the barriers that probably exist that well not probably they do exist for people to break in so I think at a system level which is where I like to think about how are we fixing the system that prevents people, particularly women and girls, from advancing in sport on and off the playing field. There's another, I think that's another, you've said it was an unintended consequence, but I think this is the the beauty of, of starting this kind of work. You suddenly start to see, wow, here's another knock-on effect from an award that is really challenging all of us to think differently about how we portray women and who captures the images and then who portrays them. So second call to action for listeners there's a database of photographers that you can go to. Great diversity um, across both from a gender, from a sport, from an age. Uh, you know, there's great diversity. If you want to think about uh, broadening your network of photographers for your publications, Women's Sport Australia have got that. So that's another another really great outcome that that you've created as a result of that. So it's fantastic, Jen. Congratulations. The third. Third and final um, conversation, because as always, I can, you know, I could talk to you for hours um, and we're both pretty good at, at um, jawboning, but um, I want to talk about the mentoring. And you mentioned at the start during your, your introduction that you wanted, you participated in the uh, Women's Sport Australia mentoring program and now you're seeing that, you know, that what's the unmet need? The unmet need is that, that women who are at the entry level or moving through the ranks of sport, uh, they need that mentoring. And what, what we typically see focused on is the executive coaching and mentoring and programs at the executive level. So tell us about that mentoring and again, the sort of outcomes that you've, you've seen as a result of that mentoring program. Yeah, definitely. So the mentoring program is one that's very close to my heart because I, I went through it at the start of my journey and I, I just think it is something that I was like, geez, if I had this earlier on in my career, I probably could have smashed through a few of these jobs even quicker and um, gotten here a bit faster. But um, anytime you can take on that opportunity to do a little bit of professional development, it, it's hugely beneficial. And the mentoring program itself it was around sort of you, the, the program is a, a workshop that you get to do with other women in sport that are sort of of that sort of similar level. So you're, you're expanding your network by being in the room with, and with other women who, who are at that similar stage to you. 
and you're hearing this fantastic information about sort of communication, the importance of networking, um, building your sort of career sort of CV, taking on different opportunities, the role of boards and committees, what, whether that's something you should be looking at, the, the conversations and the topics that you actually get exposed to are, are really good because you always know that you're dealing with a board and you've got a committee that does this and that. But to actually stop and think about, is that a role that I want to play one day? It's it's sort of glossed over a lot of the time in your day-to-day job because it's just like, oh, well, my remit of work is that I do this and then that goes to my manager, which then goes to the CEO, which then goes to the board. So, you know they exist or I, I need to work with this um, club and they've got a committee, so I've got to speak to their committee secretary or their committee president. So, it, it did a great job of just um, helping identify all of those different roles within the sporting infrastructure. But the key thing is that after that session, we, we've got a bit of information about you and we look at those skills that you want to improve in. We look at where you want to be mentored, where you want your career to go, and we use our Women's Sport Australia network to, to look at someone that is going to help you to strengthen your your skills and your knowledge in this area and potentially provide some advice on how you can um, ascend in your career. So it's it's a process that I, I take really seriously. I really love to look through all the profiles of our different mentees and, and look at their skills and think about my own network and who I know that, that might be able to provide that missing link for them to just give them some tangible advice. So it's a a sort of commitment that our our mentors come in um, in a voluntary capacity and provide sort of three catch-ups. That's the minimum requirement that we ask for at Women's Sport Australia. And you're able to just spend some time. You can do it in person, on the phone, online, whatever suits you, the mentee and the mentor. And it's just about sort of having that connection and someone external to your own workplace that you can talk about issues with and just work through um, some some tangible steps about how you can actually start progressing your career and moving in the right direction. So it is a program that I'm I'm really proud of and have loved working with and offering to the next generation. And I, I think just that opportunity to be mentored both formally through a process like this or informally through different connections within the industry is just so important. And having been in in those shoes of an intern that wants to work in sport one day, I, I just wish that I'd taken more of those opportunities to connect with the people that had the jobs that I wanted and say, hey, can we catch up for a coffee? Because I'd love to to learn more about your career and see if there's any opportunities I might be able to sort of tap into. And it, that that fear around doing that, like it, it just so often, if, if people reach out to me, I'm, I'm always up for just catching up, getting a coffee, hearing about where you are in your career because I want to give back. I want to provide those opportunities. So it is, yeah, just something that find yourself a mentor or reach out to that person that has that dream job that you want and 
yeah, just just see if you can learn from them. Everyone's open to having a coffee bought for them. So do it. You know, the, so you've hit on, I, I get very dark on mentoring programs because I, and I'm fairly vocal about it because what I see too often is two things that happen. One, women are told, go get a mentor, but they're not told why. So I think you need a mentor, Jen, because you want to do a blah, 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 whatever. And then the second thing is mentoring, formal mentoring programs kind of throw people together and hope like hell it works. So what I've seen from your, from the Women's Sport Australia mentoring program, and you are a recipient and have got tangible outcomes as a result is that number one, you set it up at the start to, to help the women identify their goals. So uh, uh, networking is strategic when it's based on a goal. Mentoring is strategic when it's based on a goal and you're matched with the right person to close your gap. So you've, you've set that up beautifully. But, you know, I, I think what I really um, think is important is what you said is I, we want to facilitate the connection and you're very clear about the matching process, facilitate the connection with emerging women leaders in in sport with the person who's got the job that they want or someone who's going to help them either play to their strengths or close their gaps around their you know their goals so i think that's such an important thing and the second thing is you, you've said what so many of us said which is i wish i had this when i was starting out my career but now i'm going to make sure that no other woman behind me misses out so i think that's a um you know that that's a, a great philosophy to have and then the third thing is a call to action. Start networking. It is never, ever too early in your career to begin strategic networking. So if you're listening to this call thinking, I'd really like to be president of Women's Sport Australia one day or CEO of Table Tennis Australia, you need to call Jen or, or reach out to Jen and say, I heard you. I know who you are. You've got what I want. Can you help me? That's that's the way to do it. So it's never too early to do that. It sometimes can be too late though. So you know, take take action right now. Jen, so we've covered um, your long lifelong history in sport and, and your continuing work. Uh, we've talked about the role that Women's Sport Australia plays, which is I was really, really keen to, you know, to get to some very, very clear um, outcomes. So you've talked about reducing fragmentation and bringing the sporting industry together to learn from each other, collaborate and really um, – accelerate the advancement of women and girls in sport. You've talked about the Whisper Awards and how that operates at a really strategic or at a system level to change the way we portray women in sport, uh, the way we portray women athletes to really show their strength and their capability. And as a, an unintended consequence, also surfacing such great photographic talent out there so that we can diversify the networks that we go to to provide us with images. And then the third part is really that that give back, finding the, the women in sport to be mentored, you know, to, to, to mentor them, um, I beg your pardon, to give them, them opportunity and then matching them with strategic mentors to progress their careers. So, I love the fact that you know you've 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 kind of got those three levels, uh, and I know that Women's Sport Australia does so much more. But from your personal, so to close us out, because um, there'll be all sorts of different people listening to this um, in sport, as athletes, as administrators, whatever it may be. What are you most hopeful for in the next? period of time. I, I was saying 12 months, but people go, oh, Michelle, that's ridiculous. So what are you most hopeful for about women in sport? And then what's your one call to action for anyone listening? 
It's a great question. I, I think a lot of the time I draw on my sort of eight-year-old niece and she plays Auskick with the boys. She she doesn't really know a world that didn't have women's AFL. Like it's and for me it's creating those opportunities so that the next generation just understand that women's sport and men's sport both exist together. It's there was there should never be a time where men's sport is is more dominant and widely revered than than women's sport and and I honestly think I think we're getting there like it's not happening overnight but it's been a huge decade for women's sport COVID was a little bit of a blip but I think everyone is approaching things in that equity lens and and wanting to have equal opportunities it's no longer like oh my boys go out and play footy but my girl stays at home in the kitchen like it's just not it's not like that anymore so it's just really evening out that playing field so that little girls have the same opportunities as little boys and they they see me and they go oh I could grow up to be table tennis Victoria CEO that that's a role for me like there's there's not many other female CEOs out there but hopefully if they see me then they're going to be able to see that there's there's more opportunities so I think that really drives me in the voluntary work that I do for Women's Sport Australia and in my day-to-day life. It's sort of if, if I can forge a path that other people can follow, then my work is done. That That's amazing. So that was the first part of the question. I've forgotten the second part of the question, Michelle. <laughs> uh- one one call. I know that I know there are many calls to action. But if someone's listening, has listened to to you having a chat with me, what do you want to tell them to do right now? What's their What's the call to action? The one thing they can do to advance women and girls in sport. Oh, I think it is like just involving yourself in your in your women's sport network. So. Women's Sport Australia, we're sort of national peak independent kind of body, but you've got so many people out there that are fighting the good fight and championing women in sport. If you're in Victoria, look at the Office for Women in Sport. If you're in South Australia, look at Sport South Australia. If you're in New South Wales, like just look at your local sporting bodies and see what's being done around women's sport because there's a lot being done and you just want to make sure you're part of the movement as well. So follow us on social media, get involved, have a look. We've got a few events coming up. Just just, just open your eyes, get involved and just call it out. When, when you see things where boys are being put ahead of the girls, call it out as well because if, if we don't say anything, then things aren't going to change. But the more of us that say something, it means we are going to see a change. I love that. What a great uh, double banger call to action. Get involved and believe me, there is no organisation that will not say yes to someone who fronts up and says, how can I help? We will find jobs for you. Um, but also, I agree, 150% call it out. We there's a lot of us who are advocates and who are women uh, who are exhausted at having to call it out. We want our allies to call it out when they see injustice, inaction, inequity, whatever it may be. So I agree. Jen, thank you so much for your time. This has been terrific. And I love the fact that we're seeing this great evolution um, of Women's Sport Australia into this this terrific aggregation and amplify and advocacy role it's it's wonderful to see and and well keep you and the board keep doing what you're doing because it's uh, it's absolutely terrific thanks jen 
thank you for listening to our podcast. I hope that you can gain a lot of insights and importantly, take action wherever you may work in sport. Please, if you enjoyed this episode, leave us a rating. It really helps to spread the word. And of course, please do share this episode with your friends, with your colleagues and with your network of people in sport, because together we can close the leadership gender gap.